the Seek podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Curtis Martin explains three simple principles for evangelization, knowing whose we are, having conviction in our beliefs, and living the little way. Great to be with you. What a delight. Thanks UNC for being there. Campus number two in all of our system. It's a delight to be with you all this morning and so many others. We had a chance, Michael Ann and I, to be in Idaho earlier in the week. We had a chance uh, to be down in San Diego with benefactors. Want to say hello to those folks in Jacksonville. I think it's our largest parish gathering. What a delight to see people separated in ways that we didn't ever choose. And God's blessing our time together anyway. It's great to be with you. We have tried to walk this week through the basics of the gospel to be able to look and say, who is Jesus? What has he done for us? To be able to see what he's calling us to. And and now in our last session, I get a chance to talk to you all about how to evangelize, to be able to recognize that there's a way for us to do this. And I want to share with you just three simple principles about evangelization Because in many ways, evangelizing is kind of like an iceberg. The vast majority of what it takes to be a good evangelist is actually under the surface. So actually the first two principles don't have anything to do with how to evangelize. It has everything to do with who you and I are. To be able to understand that Jesus Christ wants to work in us and through us. So I've got three principles for us. The first one is who are you? Or maybe even better, whose are you? And the second one is conviction. Do you and I have conviction? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Do you have the conviction? And finally, how can we live the little way? There are many ways to evangelize. I'm gonna share one because we can do, each of us may be called to lots of different ways of evangelizing, but all of us are called to the little way. All of us are called. So we wanna be able to understand Who are you or whose are you? Do you have the conviction? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And we want to walk on the little way to imitate Christ in the way that he evangelized. Earlier in the week at Mass, we were told, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Today at Mass, we were told, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. So I want to talk about the first step. The first step, that of being who we are, whose we are. And really to be an effective evangelist, I would argue that you have to live from a place of have you, do you want to quit your job and live differently? You might not have to quit your job, but have you had that moment of, you know what, I would quit my job if you asked me to, Lord. Because Peter and James and John, all the great saints all had that, I'm going to quit my job moment. Many great saints didn't have to quit their job, they just had to be willing to. Are you willing to accept it? Mary's life, the Blessed Virgin Mary's life She didn't quit her job. Her job just became radically more intense. And to be able to recognize that's what God wants for you and I. If we're not ready to live that way, because here's the deal, that's the way Jesus lived for you and me. His day job was to be the second person of the Blessed Trinity, to receive the love and the grace and the truth and the beauty of God the Father from all of eternity. And because he's God from God and light from light and true God from true God, 
begotten, not made. He's consubstantial with the Father. He imitates from all of eternity the Father, and he loves, and he pours out goodness and truth and beauty. And that love is so real, that goodness is so real, it is the Holy Spirit. That was his day job. And he never stopped, because he can't. But he took on another job. He emptied himself and became man for us. Took on our poverty, lived with us, healed our miseries, shared the gospel, loved, lived the gospel, was the gospel, is the gospel. He, he left everything and changed his life for you. And the only response that we can make is, yeah, I'm willing to do that for you. You can't really be an effective evangelist if you're not ready to quit your job. I see the sisters of life in the back there, they quit their jobs. And to be able to, to follow as brides of Christ, to be able to recognize that. And whether God calls you to quit your job or not, just that we'd be willing to. I had to quit my job once. My dad and I owned a business together, quit, quit my job to go pursue graduate work that would lead to launching focus. I'd like to think that Michael Ann and I would quit our jobs again if that's what God called us to do. Are you, are you totally sold out for Christ? Are you willing to go wherever he wants you to go? Because here's the issue. When I was a young man, Francis Chan talked about 40 years ago, it was about 30 something years ago, uh, that I, that to be able to sit back and say, I fell to my knees and said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I've made a mess of my life. I, I have lived the wild prodigal life. I've thrown away all the faith and the greatness of, the, of what it means to be a follower of you. I threw it all away in my high school years. And as I turned back to him and fell to my knees and said, I just, would you please have me back? I will do, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And if you want to be an evangelist, you have to be ready to go anywhere to do anything. As St. Paul says, I want to become all things to all men to win more because he was sold out for Christ. Christ gave him new life. The only real response is for us to give our lives back to him. That's the first step. What does it mean to be an evangelist? How do you evangelize? You have to live totally sold out for Christ. But you also have to have conviction. To have that conviction, do you believe that what you believe is really real? This is the, this is the critical issue when we talk about evangelization. To be able to see the importance that this is all that matters. This is the one thing. The one thing. To be able to recognize that we are called and we have one decision to make that makes all the difference in the world. In fact, all the good stuff in the world on one side of the scale doesn't compare to getting eternal life right. See, because here's the deal. It doesn't matter how much fame or success or glory or money, or it doesn't matter how much you get here and now. If you lose the eternal life issue, you're a cosmic failure. Whereas if you never have the fame or the wealth or the success and you die knowing God and you go to be with him forever in heaven, you win. It's the only thing that really matters. And for us to understand that with conviction. And so here's what I would share with you about that. We have to recognize that there's a world filled with people. This is the conviction we have to have. There's a world filled with people, most of them, do not know that Jesus Christ is God. Most of them do not know that Jesus Christ died for them. Most of them do not know that they have an eternal destiny waiting for them. They're, they are waiting for someone to tell them. And they're alive right now. And we don't believe in reincarnation. They're alive right now and they won't be 
120 years from now. Everybody on earth today will be dead 150 years from now. We don't believe in reincarnation, which means this generation has to reach this generation in this generation. One more time. This generation of believers has to reach this generation of people in this generation of time. There's got to be a sense of urgency because nothing else matters. Everything else on one side of the scale doesn't compare to getting eternal life correctly. And so what does this mean? We have to have deep, deep conviction. We have to see that if we're going to be the kind of people that bear fruit, that we have to be the right kind of soil. To be able to recognize that we're told by Jesus that there's four types of soils and God scatters seed. There's the pathway, there's the rocky soil, there's the soil with thorns and thistles, and then there's the, the rich soil that bears fruit. And I'm going to, just for the sake of our time together, focus on the third soil. Those that are choked by the, the, the thistles and the thorns, and they're not bearing fruit. Because the issue is how to evangelize. Well, we wouldn't even be discussing how to evangelize if we hadn't been evangelized. That's the first step. Who are you? Whose are you? But if we want to talk about bearing fruit, Jesus actually tells us why we don't bear fruit. He says this, the ones sown among the thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the delight of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. If you want to be an effective evangelist, how do you evangelize? You've got to rid ourselves. We've got to understand that the cares of this world, been a few cares this year, wildly distracting. We've got to get rid of those. The love of riches, forget about it. All the riches in this world, all of it, all of it, doesn't compare to one day in heaven. Here's a conversation that never takes place in heaven. Hey, when I was on earth, I was really rich. Never happens because the response would be, who cares? You can fly. You're amazing. What do you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and here's a conversation that, take, that never takes place in hell. Hey, when I was on earth, I was really rich. Because the response would be, who cares? You are on fire. It doesn't matter. All that matters is getting this right. So the love of riches, don't do it. And the desire for other things. And that's where I... I chose this particular version, Mark's version, because of that statement, the way it's worded. Jesus probably made this statement multiple times, slight variations. In this one, he says the desire for other things. If you want to be an effective evangelist, you can't desire other things. You have to be consumed with the reality that all that matters is heaven and hell. It's this generation, and we have to reach them in this generation. To be overwhelmed with the reality, like St. Therese, the patron of missions, to be able to be overwhelmed like St. Therese, to sit there as she's praying in the chapel, she's looking out, and it's a snowy day, and she's praying, she's praying for souls. Her whole passion was, Lord, I want to be a missionary, but I'm weak and sickly, so I will beg you for souls here in the chapel in my Carmelite convent. I want, I'm on mission, Lord, but I'm never going to leave your side. And she sat there on the snowy day and she looked out and she's so captivated by the idea that all that matters is heaven and hell. And she was watching the snowfall. She kept thinking, oh my goodness, it's like souls falling into hell. Oh Lord, what can we do to rescue them? To be realized everywhere we go, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is whether we're helping people get to heaven. 
whether we're preventing them from getting to hell, to be able to see the power of having this conviction. Do you have this conviction? Are you and I, are we sold out for Christ? Will we go wherever he wants us to go? Are we sold out with this conviction to be able to recognize that this is the issue of our day, it is the issue of our life, it's the only issue. Right now, this year in our life, about 55 million people are dying every year. That's 150,000 people a day. It's like snowflakes falling. 6,000 an hour. That means since we started talking, more than 1,000 people have entered into eternity, either with God forever or without him forever. If we want to be evangelists, how do you evangelize? You have a deep conviction to Jesus Christ, you belong to him, and then you realize that I am willing to do whatever it takes. Listen to the passion of St. Francis Xavier as he writes to his good friend, St. Ignatius. These are the early Jesuits. Ignatius is the founder of the Jesuits. Xavier is his right-hand man, his best friend, and they're now Xavier's on mission in the Far East. And he says this as he writes back, many, many people hereabouts are not becoming Christians for one reason only. There is nobody to make them Christians. Again and again, I have thought of going around the universities of Europe, especially Paris and everywhere, crying out like a madman, riveting the attention of those with more learning than charity. What a tragedy. How many souls are being shut out of heaven and, fall, and falling into hell thanks to you? Next slide. I wish that they would work as hard at this as they do at their books and so settle their account with God for their learning and their talents entrusted to them. This thought would certainly stir most of them to meditate on spiritual realities, to listen actively to what God is saying to them. They would forget their own desires, their human affairs, and give themselves over entirely to God's will and his choice. They would cry out with all their heart, Lord, I am here. What do you want me to do? Send me anywhere you like, even to India, even to the university campuses. I want to go around crying out to the university campuses of the United States and in Europe. We are crying out, go they're waiting for you, desperately. You heard it in Francis's comments as he spoke a little while ago. It's not just that you get to go to heaven. Everything in this life gets better too. You could have jellyfish. Well, but to be able to recognize that this life also is better, there's a fascination. I would argue that the many blessings in my life, beginning with my faith and secondly with my marriage to Michael Ann, if I hadn't come to faith in Christ, if she hadn't, we would never have met. Our faith has allowed our marriage to be a tremendous blessing and then for our family. And John and Joe and Michael are here with us and, and Brock is up in Idaho as an MC to be able to recognize that we're on mission together. Oh, to have this sense, this conviction. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? There is nothing else that matters. To be able to see this is the great call to be able to recognize the first step of being an evangelist is to be sold out for Christ. I am yours. You gave yourself for me. I give myself to you. The second one is that nothing except everlasting life matters. Nothing. Or to put it the way Jesus said, seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things can be added on to you. But if you let those other things get in there first, they will choke you off and you will not be fruitful. You will not be fruitful. Which leads us to the third step. How are you going to be an evangelist? How do you evangelize? And here's the beauty. There's lots of ways to do it. The Sisters of Life evangelize when they, when they put their garb on. People look at them and say, you don't dress like the rest of us. And, uh, and, and some people get up. I happen to be doing it right now. Up at, well, I was going to say a podium, but a table. And, and, and you talk to people about Christ. And many of you are going to have that opportunity. Some of you will be given the ability to work miracles. And if God grants that to you, be wildly generous. Most of us aren't going to get that gift. And to be able to recognize, is there a way for us to evangelize, all of us to evangelize? And I would argue, yes. And it's the little way. And the beautiful thing about the little way, it's also the most effective way. The beautiful thing about the little way is it's actually the way Jesus, who was pretty good at miracles, but he actually doubled down on the little way to be able to recognize that all the miracles in some ways just got in the way because then the crowds were so big that he could hardly reach out to people. But what was he doing all the time for his public ministry? Jesus found a handful of men and invested deeply in them. Each of us can find a handful of people and invest deeply. Those men walked with and studied the word of God made man. We can walk together and study the word of God in sacred scripture from the heart of the church, which is what we're doing, to be able to find a few. And the beautiful thing about this is that when you find a few, everybody can be known and loved and cared for. Everybody can be known, loved, and cared for, which is exactly what God wants. What did he say? I want to make it simple. Love God, love your neighbor. To fulfill those two great commandments, the little way actually does this in a powerful way. You're able to walk with people, just as Jesus did. Was it all religion? No. He was walking, they were sharing, they were eating meals together, they were laughing, they were crying, they were experiencing life together. And he was teaching them about the faith. To be able to recognize that we can do this, to share a life. And here's the power of the little way. As you step into some people's lives intentionally, the way that Jesus did, and said, hey, I would like to go to heaven. Would you like to go to heaven? Because I would love for you to go to heaven with me. Let's go. Just a handful of us, just a few, not too many. We have to be able to know each other. But here's the beautiful thing, because it's not just faithfulness, but in the little way you impart faithfulness and fruitfulness so that after a while, after some maturation, after some growing in the faith, after greater knowledge of the scriptures, you can actually go out and invite other people. So one person reaches out to four or five and those four or five after a while reach out to four or five and now it's not five, it's 25. And those four or five reach out and they reach out to more. Now it's 125. And it begins a spiritual snowball. And here's the beautiful thing about the little way. The little way, if you were to walk with a few people and win them over to Christ and build them up and send them out, if we were to do that, it's amazing to see you could reach this generation in this generation. It's the only way. There's no web page that's going to reach 8 billion people. There's no video there's no podcast that's going to reach a billion people or 7 billion people or 8 billion people. But the little way can reach 8 billion people in this generation. And everyone would be known and loved and cared for. Because I believe this is what it's all about. So we're going to all pass away. 
We honored Bailey a little while ago, and I was at Bailey's funeral. And it was a beautiful thing to see that, that Bailey was actually on his way back to Denver to be trained as a mission trip leader uh, when he passed away. And uh, the last thing Bailey did before heading to the airport to fly out here was to make a holy hour. And when you're, when you're sitting there and you're in prayer before the Lord and you're just thinking, Lord, I, I just would, I want to rejoice in what you've given me. What you gave me is a free gift, but I can respond by giving a free gift of myself back to you and to others. And Bailey's praying that prayer and then he went and met the Lord unexpectedly. You and I are going to meet the Lord, maybe expectedly, maybe unexpectedly. We should all expect to meet the Lord, even if it's unexpected, because it's going to happen. And don't we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, to be able to recognize that the one way that this will happen is if we bear fruit. And the best way to do that is the little way. Our Lord teaches us in John chapter 15, verse 8, something beautiful. It says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Listen to the three things that are saying that this is the way that you and I can glorify God. Are you sold out for God? That was the first step. Do you have conviction? Well, then bear much fruit. And when you do, you'll prove to be God's disciples. This is the invitation that God is issuing to us. And God may call you to stages and podiums and miracles and go for it and be generous. But I assure you, every single one listening, he's calling you to not just love him and live for him, but to give yourself in the path of the little way to love a few, not too many, to love a few and impart both faithfulness and fruitfulness. When you do, we'll become who we're meant to be. And as we're told, if you become who you're meant to be, you would set the world on fire. Brothers and sisters, together, if we respond by giving ourselves generously to Christ, with deep conviction that this is the one thing that really matters so that we eliminate the distractions so that God will allow us to bear fruit. When we do this, we participate in the very means that Jesus Christ gave us. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now I will close with one thought about this. There's some debate out there. Well, do you have to go? You know, isn't everybody going to heaven anyway? There's a teaching out there called universalism. Universalism says everybody's going to heaven, so don't worry about it. Okay, it's a theory. Um, How do you know? Well, we don't. We could debate it. That's way more time than we've got right now. What I would say is this. Jesus didn't teach universalism. Uh, The church historically hasn't. But I would argue this. Pascal gave us a wager. He said, look, if you're thinking about following Christ and you realize you, you probably could, you probably should, but you're not quite sure, here's the wager. Go, go ahead and bet on Jesus, because if, if it doesn't matter, you'll have lost nothing. But if it does matter and you don't, you lose everything. And I would argue this about Pascal's wager applied to the salvation of others. If you don't know whether it's easy to get to heaven or not, whether they have to hear the gospel or not, how about we bet on sharing the gospel? Because if that's the way to get there, we win. And, and if we don't, and it is the way to get there, they lose. By this, they will know you're my disciples, that you bear much fruit. Let us pray that together God would allow us to become who we're meant to be and that he would, through us, set the world on fire. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, 
Join us for Seek 23 in St. Louis, January the 2nd through the 6th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.